he definitely did everything in cash so whatever but it was it was a good learning experience and i realized that night like it changed my life i realized that i didn't want to go grind for money the way i had my whole life up to that point every dollar i'd ever earned was very you know hard earned and i had earned two or three weeks worth of pay just in one night of watching tv So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, what's going on, Real Estate Rockstar Nation? It's Matt O'Neill. Today's guest, Eric Bolin, takes you through his journey from being down to his last $200 and not being able to pay groceries, and then how he bought his first passive income producing property as a real estate agent that paid him more in monthly rent than he was earning grinding it out in his job as a real estate agent. In just 10 years time, Eric took that first passive income property and turned it into 480 units. So that now he has the freedom to live part-time in Puerto Rico with his family, part-time in Texas where he wants his kids to go to school and take two month long vacations to Asia and basically live the life that he wants to live when he wants to live on his terms. Tune in today to learn how you can do the same thing for your life. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reek, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level? Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat, $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com, futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation, it is time to finish the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents that prospect thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're going to give you 
a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. What's up, real estate rock star nation? This is Matt O'Neill, and today I've got the most exciting guest that you're going to hear. This is Eric Bolin. Eric started out his career as a real estate agent and started to invest. Today, Eric owns over 480 units. He splits his time between living in Texas and living in Puerto Rico. And you are going to learn today how to invest in real estate and how to make that same dream come true. Eric, thanks for being on, man. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So, Hey, most people on this show are real estate agents and they're, they're working on making their real estate career work. And I think that all real estate agents want to be investors. Take me back. What, what was it like being a real estate agent for you? It was terrible. To, to <laughs> I hated it. I did it because I needed, well, I did it for a lot of reasons. There was, there's definitely a multifaceted uh, part to being a real estate agent. One was just getting some side money to you know, eat back then. It was, uh, when I started, I was down deep in a recession. When I became an agent, I think it was 2011, which is like at the bottom of everything. And that, um, you know, you had to, you had to eat, you had to pay the bills and things like that. So that's why I was a real estate agent also, because I was able to get timely access to deals that I didn't want to have to be waiting on a real estate agent to like show me properties and things like that. So yeah. If I saw something, I could just get right into a property within the hour usually because these were mostly vacant back back then. They're all foreclosed. You know, nowadays things are a little different, but I could be right in the property same day and, and it gave me an edge over my competition. Yeah. So you, so in the beginning, you were a real estate agent. You were selling homes for people, right? Uh, I was trying to. I wasn't very good at it. Also, there wasn't a lot of activity back then. So getting a listing, there was a lot of people competing over a very small number of people who were buying or selling at the time. Remember, there was almost no activity going on back then. There was very few homes. There was, everything was for sale, but nothing was trading, right? Yep. It's very different than now where there's very small inventory and it goes very fast. Uh, so back then, being an agent was really challenging and you really had to dig deep to try to get just a few listings so yeah, that I was. I was mostly working with buyers because I was a newer agent. Yeah, but I did have a, a couple, a couple sales as well. So, so then, did, what? Where did that vision of creating passive income come from? Did you always have that when you got into real estate? No, I got into real estate on accident, uh, completely by accident. I was a full-time student. I was working on my PhD in economics. I had a part-time job as a TA. I was an Army National Guard, uh, so I was just a bunch of part-time jobs. Tons of student debt, like sixty or seventy thousand dollars in student debt. Could, like, I was twenty three, twenty four years old, and uh, I was recently married at the time. And I said, I want to buy a home because that's what you're supposed to do. But of course, I couldn't qualify. Anybody listening to my story knows there's no way you're going to qualify for a loan. But yeah, uh, when you buy a multifamily, like a two, three, or four unit, that extra rent gets added to your income. 
And so back then, I don't know if it's like that anymore, but back then they could make your debts disappear if you didn't have to pay them for a couple of years. So they, they were able to say, oh, your student loans are deferred, so we won't count those. You have this extra income from these other two units because I plan on buying a three family at that point. And then they suddenly were able to qualify me. You know, it is probably part of the reason why there was a mortgage crisis back then. <laughs> but uh, I was smart about it. Unlike everybody else who bought property that shouldn't and they got foreclosed on, I actually yeah. used it and I bought a three family and got into it. The plan was to sell it after maybe, this is 2009 when I bought my first uh, house. Plan was to sell it in two or three years when I thought the economy would be good again. Uh, that, that didn't pan out. And my plan was to finish my PhD and become a professor. And then literally passive income came knocking at my door. I was sitting and watching TV one night and one of my tenants was there to pay the rent. They knocked on the door and I didn't live in a good neighborhood because I couldn't qualify for very much. I lived in a pretty crappy area. Sure. And it was weird to get a, a knock on your door at that time of night because people don't go out at night there because it was dangerous. And the guy paid me the rent. He paid me in cash because he was a drug dealer. And I put the money down on the table and I'm like, wow, that was the easiest money I've ever earned. And Maybe not as easy as the way he earned it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he definitely did everything in cash. So whatever. But it was, it was a good learning experience. And I realized that night, like it changed my life. I realized that I didn't want to go grind for money. The way I had my whole life up to that point, every dollar I'd ever earned was very you know, hard earned. And I had earned two or three weeks worth of pay just in one night of watching TV. And so I'm like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I think that's so, that's why I was so excited to have you on the podcast today is everyone listening should have the same goal of investing in passive income producing properties the way that you've done. And, and I want to dive more into like what, what the next move was. So you, you had this first triplex, you saw that, wow, people will pay me while I watch TV. How did you then start to, to acquire more and, and start to do this more? Right. So shortly after that, I got a notice that I was going to Afghanistan. So I had to kind of put everything on pause my whole life. I'm like, I'm going to do real estate. I'm going to do my PhD, everything. And then I'm like, all right, pause every pause life, you know, take, take yourself out of life for a year. And during that year, I just did a lot of reading. I read about, I must've read a hundred books and it was all different types of book, all different types of businesses you can run, how you can do like everything. And, and I probably read 40 or 50 real estate books during that year, which was really important. Because I'm the kind of person, once I get my mindset on something, I'm going to dive into it. It forced me to kind of pause and learn for a while, even though it was like, it's really difficult to put your life on pause like that. Taking that time and actually learning about what you're going to be doing is really uh, important. So then I came back from Afghanistan in 2011, and I had saved up a bunch of money as well. And I said, all right, now I'm going to dive into real estate. That's when I got my real estate agent license. That's the first thing I did. And then I bought... Uh, my, I just took all of my cash and I borrowed money from a friend and borrowed my, all my maxed out all of my credit cards and I bought a property uh, as a as a flip. For some reason in my head, passive income meant house flipping. Not, you know, definitely right. not not the case. But in my head at the time, that's what I was going to do. And that and and house flipping is definitely a full time job. That is definitely what I would call vertical income because it's a hard job. Oh yeah. So, so did you flip the, your first house then? Uh, yes, I did. I did flip that house and realized I hated it. And then I bought a four family after that. Smart. Yeah. How did that one go? Uh, yeah. So that four family is one of my better deals that I bought. So they were trying to sell it for like 160,000. I offered 65,000 and they countered at 75 and I took it and, um, you know, this was a distress type situation. There was a mother who had retired to Florida. Her son was supposed to be living there, taking care of it, but he became a heroin addict and yeah. he basically just rented it out for drug money. And so I had bad tenants, decent area, decent mm -hmm. spot, like not, not the best spot in the world, but not a bad spot. And, but it was just, he was the worst tenant on the whole street and it was his house. Right. So yeah, so I, that's why I got it. She just wanted to like do this with her property, even her own son. She didn't care. And uh, she just wanted, wanted to cash out. So that was a. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so you made, you made a low offer in a bad market and ended up picking up a really good deal. What, what kind of cash flow did you see from that? 
Yeah, so I still own that property today. Uh, so it's been, it's been what eight nine years or something. And um, let's see. At the time, I bought it for seventy five. I put about fifteen thousand worth of work into it. I bought a new heat. It's a four family. It needed one new heating system, and I refinished a bunch of floors. And that was pulling it, that uh, appraised out at like one seventy. So I refinanced it uh, about four or five months later. For um, I got like one hundred thirty thousand. So I pulled like 40,000 in my pocket. So I paid off the original amount to buy it, which was my own cash anyway. Paid that off and then put an extra like 40K in my pocket and it was cash flowing something like $2,000 a month. Wow. You were, making, you were making 2,000 a month on your second investment. It, that must have opened your eyes to, man, this could be really great if I keep at it. Oh, that's life-changing money. That's life-changing money for just about anybody. It oh, doesn't sure. matter if you're earning 50000 a year or 200000 a year. $2,000 a month extra is, is life-changing. And that is when things started to get easy. Like before that, I remember one point where I had like $200 in a bank and I couldn't buy groceries. And I was starting to get the, I wasn't late on any of my bills, but I was starting to get those letters. It's like, because they saw all my credit cards maxed out. And so they're like, hey, do you ha- like, are you going to be facing bankruptcy like, or foreclosure? And I'm starting yeah. to get those letters, you know, and it, 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 wasn't, a, it wasn't good. I, I never missed a payment. Everything was on time. But like, uh, I was like, all right, this is, this is really bad. Yeah. You know, and, and so you, you, you get this influx of cash and then now groceries are okay. The bills are okay. You know that, that hey, if I continue at this, I could grow more passive income than all of my expenses and I could truly live anywhere I want in the world and be free from anything. Yeah, you would think that's what you would be thinking at the time, but I'm kind of a glutton for pain. So I bought like two more properties and I had no money again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you had that extra 40 grand. You had that extra 40 grand. You needed to go buy two more. Well, exactly. I had all my money back plus all that extra money and then that allowed me to do more projects. And I never really got as bad of a situation as that. Uh, but I had basically tied up all of my money all the time for like a f- another five years after that. I always felt very poor because every dollar, it's like an addiction for a while. Every dollar I had, I had to buy more real estate with it. I, I love that you said it's like an ad- addiction. It's, uh, it, I, I read, be obsessed or be average. And oh, I, yeah. I, I, ju- I just, Cardone. that's Grant Cardone's book. Yeah. And I just love that, that thought of just be obsessed. You don't get to 480 units like you have, unless you are absolutely obsessed to do it. So, um, so you were reinvesting everything you had, but you also, I know you said that you had just gotten married around the same time. So how did, how are you able to spend this money when it might've been needed for the family? How did you balance that? Uh, fortunately she was on board with me reluctantly at the beginning. I think she took pity on me because I just got back from Afghanistan. So she's like, do whatever you want, whatever you feel like you need for your life or whatever. And so I was able to spend the life savings. She did cry a lot about the money, but, uh, she still, she always said, go ahead. So I got to give her credit for that. But it was very reluctant at the beginning until I started earning money in it. And then she was like, oh, okay, we can, this, this makes good money. Now, this is, this is real. I think what you just hit on is a real barrier to people investing. There's all this fear. You had your own fear and doubt, I'm sure. And then you've got the person you love the most, your wife, and she's crying about the fear of what if you lose all the money that we have and you still persevered through it. I think that's going to be something that could be a roadblock for a lot of people is not mm-hmm. being able to push through that fear. Um, what was it that that allowed you to continue forward, even though it was creating more hardships in your family life? Uh, fortunately, she was on board enough to just go with it. But the big part at the beginning, and I, I don't do it anymore, but I was a meticulous planner. And a lot of that came from my military background. I had planned everything almost down to the penny. Some of those original budgets were like dollar accurate. It's, it's unbelievable. Like nowadays, it's just like, 5,000 here, 2,000 here, whatever. But then it was like I measured every foot and calculated every material and the co- like the labor could change. Some things were unaccounted for, but it was like really spot on. And then I knew I was going to get a certain amount of money left in a bank. And I knew I was only going to have $200 in the bank account for that period of time during the sale of the first flip before the purchase of the next one. Like I knew that. So it was all part of the plan. It just wasn't comfortable. Yeah, I love that too. It, 
you, you lived uncomfortably to be able to find a way to live really comfortably. Let's, let's dive a little bit more into it. So what do you think the difference is between those who make it and the majority of people who give this a try and give up? Uh, a couple things. The biggest one is mindset. That's one thing that I've realized over the years is that most of what holds a person back is inside their own head. And a lot of that comes from the people around them who want them. They're not necessarily malicious in any way. They want them to be successful, but they tend to tell them, um, you know, that's dangerous or just follow in my footsteps. Look, I'm doing fine. Or, you know, isn't that really risky? Or if that like a common one, if, if that was so easy, everybody would do it. Right. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, that, so a lot of that comes into your own self doubts that comes inside your own head. And the best way to overcome that is to, surround yourself with other people who have the mindset that you want to have. So go to networking events, go to, or listen to podcasts, read books. Sometimes that can feel distant because it may not feel real to you. So you go to your local networking events or to conferences, fly to a conference somewhere. For example, I've been to dozens and dozens of them uh, and just ingrain yourself for two, three days at a time with people that are the way that you want to be. And that's probably the number one most important thing. Uh, number two would be planning, making sure that you actually, when you're about to buy a property, make a really good solid plan. That will help alleviate a lot of your fears. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book and it's just been published co-authored it with David Osborne who's been on this show multiple times if you don't know David he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams real estate was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself and he's in all kinds of businesses his bio and explanation and everything is in this book but anyways David and I got together we decided to write a book we called it tribe of millionaires and I guarantee you it's gonna change your life to find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. Yeah, and so probably a lot of people listening say, I wouldn't even know what to plan. And you figured it out so that you knew exactly how to count the money and how to make sure that the expenses were accurate and the income was going to be accurate. How did you get that education before you started? Uh, so, I mean, I read a lot of books. That was helpful. But, I mean, I just kind of jumped into it. I 
didn't know what things were going to cost. I would just go to the store. I, I bought books. I don't, I don't think I have any of them anymore, but I would buy a book like on how to install windows back before like you, like YouTube existed, but it wasn't like it was now where you could just YouTube search, like how to install a window. Like I buy books on installing flooring and doing handyman stuff. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay. So that's what you got to do. Like, and I didn't think to do that until I needed to install a window. And I'm like, Oh, that window's broken. What, what am I going to do? So I bought a book on it. Like, I don't know. And then I just go to the Home Depot and I would say, I need to install a window. And then the contractor, like they were, there's usually people with some level of experience working there. They'd be like, Oh yeah, you're going to need this, 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 and this, and you're going to need these tools. And like, you can calculate those things out. I would spend like, I felt like I spent half my life at Home Depot just going around and, and looking at the materials and talking to the people there and like comparing everything and then reading my stupid books <laughs> They weren't stupid. Yeah, they ended up working. They went, ended up working out fantastic for you. They were changing your mindset to belief that you could do it. So I think one of the things we just hit on is early on, you were actually installing windows. You were installing flooring. You were fixing leaky pipes. You were changing out toilets, mm -hmm. and you didn't know how. You didn't have those skills, and so you just you just did what it took. Yeah. So my approach back then was I wanted to do everything myself once before I hired people to do it. Unless it was something that I had to hire people. Like if you had pull permits, you need an electrician to do stuff, whatever, like you have to do that. But then I was usually finding an electrician that I could, that I liked. And we would sit there and talk about electrical stuff for two hours as he's doing it. I help him. And so yeah. I was learning it in the, in the process uh, or the plumber, right? Like, you know, I'd just sit down the stairs. He's just doing his stuff. And like when, when he wanted help, I'd help, you know, and so I'm really learning these trades at the time. And then I felt like I was in a much better position to, to hire people. You don't have to do that. But by doing that, I, then I knew which contractors were like BSing me about things and which ones sure. weren't. Yeah. And then you could keep your costs down because you, you knew what a job really took and what it really cost. Absolutely. So now, one of the questions I wanted to ask is I live in a town that's Charleston, South Carolina. Prices are higher. They're rising. There's other people who live in San Diego, New York. How, how when it's not a town where you could just buy cash flowing properties immediately, how do you invest in those areas? Yeah. So you don't actually have to invest in those areas. The there's different methods of investing. There's appreciation or value uh, investing. There's cash flow investing. And then you got hybrid, everything in between. And I invest for cash flow because you can't eat appreciation until you sell it. So you, what you need is monthly cash flow. So not all markets are meant for cash flow investing where you're trying to build up. You can't retire off of that appreciation, right? So uh, how you do it is you look the almost every single city in this country within a two or three hour drive is going to be a city or a, a group of towns or a county or something that has something that's a little bit more positive on the cash flow. It's got a little bit lower price and a higher rent compared to that price. And so that's where you can start. Uh, if you don't live in a state that you want to invest in, like a lot of Californians don't want to invest in California or, or because of the, the, the really negative landlord laws that are there, uh, then it's okay to pick a market elsewhere and buy in other cities. Like um, what, one, of my, one of my, uh, came to my event, one of my, um, my clients, one of my students, lived in Korea and bought, I think, 20 cash flowing single family homes while he lived in Korea. So if you can, if one person can buy property from across the planet and make it over the course of many years, I think you can live in California and buy in Florida or wherever. Yeah. And you know, I love that you're just taking that limiting mindset off the table and I agree with you. If you're willing to, if you want to make this happen, you can definitely make it happen. But I like what you said that there's always within two or three hour drive a cash flowing area that you could get to, that you could really understand. And you, if, you, if you can get to an investment in two hours, then you can definitely go check things out and, and purchase properties that are going to work for you. Absolutely. In fact, if it, if it hits up on the market today, you could drive there and you could be putting in the first offer so you could be competing really quickly. You know, take me through your what what you would call your worst investment what was the worst deal you ever did yeah the worst deal i ever did would have to be that first flip it was terrible uh i worked i i so fortunately i hired contractors on it i didn't do a lot of the work myself and 
uh, it was about six months worth of time though. And mm. I ended up making like a thousand dollars or something like basically, basically zero, right? For six months worth of your time, I'm like making like 20 cents an hour or something stupid. And so that was definitely my worst deal. Learned a lot. And I and definitely must say that if you can earn money and still learn a lot, then you're doing, doing it's better than college at that point, right? Sure. Uh, so uh, that was definitely my worst deal. And that's also what made me realize that I hate house flipping. Yeah. Yeah. But that experience taught you a tremendous amount. And, and so even though you, you say that it was your worst deal, maybe that deal catapulted you into new things because of how much you learned and it, and it sets you on this path to getting to where you are today. Absolutely. Every negative experience I've ever had has become something positive. I've learned from everything and I've, and I've lost, I don't know, at least six figures or more in mistakes over the years and uh, probably more at this point. And every single one has definitely taught me something and put me in a better position than now. If that had been a great experience, maybe I'd still be house flipping right now and still be working my, you know, working my butt off every day to make, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars a house, or something, rather than earning twenty, thirty thousand dollars a house and not working. Like yeah, just from purchasing, just from purchasing the right property. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it, let's let's get into that. So we've got we've got all these real estate agents. They've got access to all these deals. Their deals are flying off their desk, and they probably aren't even recognizing them. Can you tell me what would be if somebody's getting started in investing, how do they, how do they identify what is a good deal that's going to work? What, what tools would you recommend? Yeah. So the first thing that you need to know is you need to know your criteria because everybody invests differently. Everybody has something different. And so what you might think is a good deal might be different than what I think is a good deal. And if you don't identify that up front, I could put that right in front of you right now and you wouldn't even recognize that it's a good deal for you. Yeah. So you need to identify that. Now, how do you identify that is, is uh, more of a personal question. How involved do you want to be? What class of property, like class A, B, C, or D, you know, it, without going into too much detail, that's like good, middle class, and bad, like if you want to go down that. So if you want to specialize in like low income, section eight type D class housing, where you can make a lot more money, but you got to be very patient for having your stuff broken and problem tenants, then, but you want to earn more money, then do it. If you need to be, maybe you're a white collar type professional and you want to be very hands off because you work 70 hours a week as an engineer or something, you probably need to go toward the higher end properties that are going to be much more headache free. So you got to identify that the age of your property, what neighborhoods you want to be in, what cities or towns you want to be in, uh, mm -hmm. what type of property. Like, do, are you looking for single family, two family, four family, 10 and up? I mean, what are you looking for? And then think about yourself as a real estate agent. If you're a real estate agent, you want your clients or potential clients coming to you and saying, I want a four family built between 1970 and 1992 or 1978, 1995 or whatever. Uh, it needs to be three or four family only, two to three bed. Like if they come to you with this list of criteria, you'd be like, all right, that's very specific, but I can at least, I know I'm not wasting my time showing you 25 other properties that aren't what you really want. Yep. And so you hone in on that criteria and as detailed as you want it to be is it makes you comfortable and then know what types of like, do you want to add value to it? Do you want to fix your upper? Do you want something that's working right? Then you figure out what type of returns can I get given these criteria? And so, you know, the returns are much lower on high end good properties than they are on like beat up properties that need a lot of work. That's just a fact. Right. So, if you want to earn 30% or more on your money, you know you're going to the bottom, like you're feeding off the bottom, right? If you're going to, if you're okay earning six or seven or 8%, you know you can go to the top end, right? Yeah. So let's, let's, let's break that down maybe for people who don't a thousand percent understand. Sure. So 30% return on your money, you're talking about cash on cash return, right? Yeah. So there's, there's obviously a lot of different ways to calculate your return, but uh, generally in a real estate market, we're talking cash on cash return which is your total cash yearly return versus the amount of cash you outlay. So if you, even if you, it could be a million dollar property. If you only put a hundred thousand dollars, we're comparing our return based on that. Uh, and you do have your overall ROI. So you might calculate that over a five or seven year hold where, you know, you calculating some appreciation. Uh, and then there's a variety of other more complicated ways that are really not necessary. 
for your basic residential? Yeah, so, th so and just to keep things simple, those are the two things that we would look at, cash on cash return and an overall return on income, overall ROI. Okay. So you had mentioned, hey, if, if I go to the projects, if I go to an area that is pretty troubled, that maybe I wouldn't want to drive through at night personally, just because crime rate is high, I could potentially get a cash on cash return in that 20% to 30%. Yes, you could. But if I go, if I want to go to the highest end, A class, newer properties in the best areas of town, maybe a six percent cash on cash return. Nowadays, it's a lot less than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it's only maybe it's only two or three percent, and then and then it could be in between. So, yeah, um, what what's you know the target I've always looked at is is if you can get a twelve percent cash on cash return, you're going to double your money every five years. And so that's a, that's a good target for people who are listening. How, how could they easily calculate cash on cash return if that's not something that they're really familiar with? Yeah, cash on cash return is just your total return every year divided by the total cash you put out on a property. So if I buy a $500,000 property and I put $100,000 down, and let's assume no closing costs or repairs or anything. Just, just 100, 100 grand in it, yep. And I make $10,000 and it cash flows after paying my mortgage, after paying all my bills, my insurance, my taxes, all my maintenance, all my, you know, whatever. And so you get your total income and then subtract out all those other expenses. And let's say you're in 10,000 for the year, cash right? in the bank at the end yep. of the year. Uh, then that's a 10%, 10,000 divided by a hundred thousand is a 10% cash on cash return. Now, yep. obviously that's not the full picture because some of your mortgage payment goes to principal. So you pay down your principal. Yeah. You might get some appreciation on the property. Maybe well, you'd... over time, you definitely will at some point in time, maybe not this year, but if we look at a 10 or 20 year time frame, you're going to have appreciation. Well, that's, that's the hope, right? But not all markets appreciate. Some markets depreciate. So we have to be realistic because real estate is very local. If you look at the United States as a whole, yes, that's true. But if you bought into Detroit 20 years ago, you, you didn't see that. Um, you know, so it depends on, you got to be careful, not necessarily careful, but you only want to invest in places that you believe have long-term potential. But sure. yeah, so let's just assume that you're getting some sort of appreciation, appreciation, your principal pay down on your mortgage, your tax benefits that you're getting. Uh, there's a number of other benefits that you receive in real estate. Now it would all be calculated toward your overall return on event, <clears throat> excuse me, your overall return on investment. So that's mm -hmm. why we look at both. The cash on cash is like a right here, right now. And then your ROI is kind of like, what can I expect over like a five-year hold or something like that? Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for taking time to, to break that down. So if a real estate agent takes their money and puts it in mutual funds, and those mutual funds return 6% a year on average, mm -hmm. wouldn't it make more sense to, to put it in a 10% cash on cash return property that then also is paying down mortgage and also may have some appreciation because mm -hmm. you could earn a lot more than that mutual fund. Well, absolutely. In fact, it would make sense to buy a property that earned way less than 10% if you want to compare it to a mutual fund. So if a mutual fund is, say, just use your example, 6% per year on average. So yeah, one year is a 12%, another year is negative 12%, whatever. Um, but let's just say on average 6%. And I think the S&P 500 average is 7%, so we're not far off. I would buy a property that earns less than 6% because it's still a better investment because you got the appreciation. You have the principal pay down. Your tenants are paying your mortgage for you, right? And so every year you pay down your mortgage, 10 grand, 20 grand. That's profit. That's real true money. Someday when you sell it, you get that. Uh, your tax benefits. You don't get any tax benefit. You get taxed on your earnings in mutual fund. I pay no taxes. Like I haven't paid taxes on real estate ever. Like, like usually I get money back from the government and I earn a lot of money and the government and, that's, and that's depreciation, I think. And that's the magic pill yep. to buying investment property that most people don't fully understand is you could depreciate those properties and any gains you have, you're actually depreciating out those gains so that mm -hmm. you don't earn money. And you only get taxed on it when you sell and then there's ways to defer it or offset that when you do sell. So you don't have to pay very much or any taxes at all. Um, that's probably outside of the topic for today, but Point is, is that 6%, whatever percent in a mutual fund is worth like way less than the same percent in real estate because of all the other benefits you don't get. So what I want to talk about now is your lifestyle today. 
you know, so you started this journey in 2009. Here we are. It's, it's a, you know, it's 2020. It's, it's been an 11 year journey for you. You have 480 units. You're living part time in Puerto Rico, part time in Texas. You've got a beautiful family. Um, just, just describe to me, what's it like to be you now? What's it like to be me? Oh my God, I got to talk positive about me. So it's not always good. Uh, there's always ups and downs in anything you do in business. You know, so I now, I like to travel a lot. So I, I spent two months in Asia in, well, recording this in 2019. So this year I spent two months in Asia, uh, China, South Korea, Indonesia, and uh, Thailand. I'm not Thailand, Taiwan, sorry. And uh, next year, my goal is to go to Thailand and uh, a couple others. And so I travel a lot. And then this year, I decided to start going to Puerto Rico. And so I ended up um, pulling the trigger and doing Puerto Rico half time. And so that's tax benefits because now I have other businesses other than real estate that do tax. You know, I have online this, you know, coaching events, things like that. And those all get taxed like normal. So uh, Puerto Rico is a tax haven. So I can live in the beautiful, gorgeous beaches, like in, I don't know, one of the best places on earth I've ever been, I think, like in the nice areas. Obviously, it's got bad areas. But then I got a beautiful home uh, where my kids go to school in uh, Texas, in one of the best cities in America, basically. If you look at every top 10 city in the US, it's in like the top five on every single list. And so uh, I'm in one of the best places, I guess, to have a family. And so I just live where I want to live, travel where I want to travel and do what I want to do. Sounds sexy. It's kind of boring. Sometimes we don't have anything that you need to do on any particular day. Sometimes you don't do anything and then you feel like you're being lazy. Um, and that's why I started my like online businesses and stuff. Cause it gave me something to focus on day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of real estate agents who have to show up today, have to prospect, have to get new listings, have to get buyers just to pay the bills. May, may trade places with you in a heartbeat and say, oh man, I don't think it would be so bad not having to show up to work and just traveling yeah. to Asia for two weeks. Oh, the, two months, not two, two months. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I look at the memes on like Instagram and stuff like that. And I see like a real estate agent's uh, Christmas calendar and it's like work, work, work every day to get like a quarter of a day off for Christmas. And then like work, work, work. And then I get like an hour off for New Year's. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't imagine my life like that anymore. I used to be like that. Yeah. Like I can't, I don't, I don't need to, I can just, it's nice being able to just do whatever you want. And so I, I think, I think that should be everybody's goal that you can work like that if you want to, if you enjoy it, but you don't have to work. That's what, that's what the financial independence, that's what the passive income gets you. And that's why I really wanted to spend a lot of time on when you started. And I think we built a really good picture of how you got in, what the struggle was like, the, the six-month flip that you only earned $1,000, you were making 20 cents an hour on that property. So if, if you, we've got a real estate agent that's listening to this show that is grinding, what's your advice to make that first step into investing in, in passive income properties? Yeah. So the first thing is to uh, surround yourself with other people who are doing what you want to do. That's the number one thing is to get out there and realize that it is possible. This isn't like my story. It's a good story. It's really interesting and the crazy stuff that I've done in my life. But there are a lot of people who are out there making their money in real estate and in passive income. Like just, just go to Puerto Rico. There's a lot of retired people down there because it's a tax haven. Like, and everybody's got their start and like some crazy story like that. There's a lot of people like that. And so it's not, you'll see that and you're like, that's real. And so when you have your friends and family who are like, uh, that's, you can't do that. You're like, well, actually that guy did it. That girl did it. That guy did it. That girl did it. And I know 20 people that I just talked to who all did it. So it's not just this one guy that I saw on TV or on the internet or on a podcast. Like there's a real people who live near me yeah. that I go and I can have coffee with or I can have lunch with. These are real people doing it right now. That's the number one thing that person. And so that, that would be maybe local RE real estate investment groups. Yeah, there's tons of them. Just go like on meetup.com is a great place uh, for anybody who doesn't uh, do networking. Meetup is good. Eventbrite is another good place. And then you got your, they're called RIAs, R-E-I-As, but those are kind of salesy. So I don't always recommend them. There's some good ones, but a lot of them are very salesy. And you just want to find any group that's open to like connecting people. 
Yeah. So you start hanging around these people who are doing the deals that you want to do. You start to see that it's possible and then hanging around them, they start to bring deals to you too. Yeah, right? they might. Or you just might see the opportunities that you didn't realize were opportunities before because your mind is open to these being. So that property that you saw on the MLS, you're like, oh, who would want to buy that? And you look at it, you're like, oh, I know who would want to buy that. You're like, I want to buy that. I want to buy that. Yeah, I was thinking of that fourplex you bought for 75 grand with the the drug addict owner who was just collecting money and, and was the worst guy on the whole block. And I was thinking there was a lot of people on this podcast who would say, I, w- I wouldn't do that. You know, I wouldn't go in and clean that up. I'd have to inherit those tenants. Oh yeah. And, and That's where I, you make your money. And then all of a sudden, if they did do it, if they did see it as a massive opportunity, there's, there's 2000 a month in passive income that came right. along with that deal. Absolutely. And you know, in, in, that was a long time ago. And so even just recently, just last year, I bought a five family for a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's worth, now that's rehabbed, uh, like 400,000 or something right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I forget what the appraisal was, but it's, or, or maybe more. Point is, these opportunities are still exist and they do exist on the MLS. They're, now they're more rare on the MLS than they used to be. Uh, but they're, they're out there if you look for it. And so you might say, who wants to buy that property? And you're right. At that price, maybe somebody won't, won't want to buy that. But that doesn't mean you can't make a low offer. People still do accept low offers today in this crazy market. Sure. People still have problems. The reason that low offer was accepted was not just the time and history that she bought it, but it was also because she was dealing with some personal stuff with her son and a property that she was an absentee owner on and didn't want to deal with anymore. That same situation exists today in just about every town. That there is, there is somebody who doesn't want to deal with the property that's causing them headaches and they will take less than what they're asking. And I just sold the property and I didn't take the highest offer. I didn't take the highest offer by like $40,000. And it was because I took the one that I knew was going to close versus the one that was going to drag me out six more weeks and wasn't going to close. And I sold something for, I forget what the price, like 215 versus my highest or 220 maybe. My highest offer was like 260 on it. Like it was like 50000 over asking. And uh, I didn't take it. I went with the, the, the more reasonable, I guess more reasonable one. But the one I knew was going to close on it. Yeah, yeah. So you you valued that over whatever the highest number was, and and there are other sellers who are just like you. Absolutely, man. This has been so great, and I know you you actually coach people and help them do this yourself. You've got a you've got an event coming up this March. Talk a little bit about what you do and how you can help people do what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So the event coming up, it's uh, 10x my portfolio event. So go to the number 10x myportfolio.com to check it out. And it's a really no BS, hands on real estate investing. I like to call it a workshop. It's not all workshop, but it's um, covers all the main points that you need. People did walk to go to that event. And they literally said, like, I had no idea how to get started what I need to do. And now I feel like my eyes are open and the path is clear. That's one of my testimonials. I uh, came from it. Uh, one guy, his life changed so much at the event. He actually broke down crying. I don't know. It's crazy, but he's like, like the whole world is open to him now. And so this was like a life changing for the people who went. And so highly recommend it. If you're interested in real estate investing, it's in the Boston area, uh, March 14 and 15, uh, 10x, my If you want to get tickets and, you know, I had people come from California, from Alabama, Colorado. It was definitely worth it. I was a little nervous. I ran my first event last year, and uh, I wanted to make sure I provided the value for people flying across the country, getting a hotel and everything. And uh, I definitely feel like I was able to, like, I definitely gave that value. I know it's there. And so, uh, and I'd love to, it's great for real estate agents who want to become real estate investors because they're already kind of professionals. They'll understand a lot more they'll understand it on a much deeper level than the brand new person who never touched real estate in their life. Uh, but it's good for them too. But definitely a real estate agent get a lot of value out of that. Yeah, that's great. And, and a benefit too is a real estate agent is going to know how to talk to their investors a lot better after they get out of that event. That's a really good point. Even think about that. Uh, there's, um, 
a real estate investor that I know. Uh, his name's Bob Helms. They call him the godfather of real estate. And he was a real estate agent and he focused on investor investors, being an agent for real estate investors. He's actually the father of Robert Helms, who has the, um, uh, the real, estate, real Estate Guys radio show and um, believes every real estate agent needs to focus on getting investors as their clients. They're the best clients, he says. Yeah, they, they're repeat buyers and sellers. Exactly. And it kind of like passive income from actually doing your job as a real estate agent. Too, you don't need to be grinding for more and more clients all the time. You yeah. need to buy your own real estate, but then you can just have a small handful of investors who buy regularly and they're the ones who provide your living. Yeah, that's great. And then I know you have a real estate blog as well where, where you're, you're writing about this stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I started that a month after I quote unquote retired in 2015 uh, 2016, January 2016, I retired. That's when I quit everything and stopped being an agent, stopped being a contractor and doing all that stuff. And I got bored, so I started my blog. It's called idealrei.com. And tons of information. I lay, just lay it all out for everybody. Uh, and so if you want to check that out, you can subscribe to the newsletter. And if you want to reach out to me, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll get an auto email from me, like just says welcome, whatever. You can reply directly to that that goes straight to my inbox. And I yeah. reply, I try to reply to every email that I get. I don't always get to all of them, but I try to reply to everybody. Eric, man, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for opening up a lot of people's eyes, including my own, about what you can do to, to become a passive income owner rather than toiling away at your real estate job. Really appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right, see you later, man. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.